Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Killing the Church, a conversation with Bradley and Seamus. I'm here with my compatriot, uh, Mr. Seamus. Mr. Seamus. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> that has such a good ring to it, actually. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Seamus. I'm keeping it. <laughs> um, and as usual, uh, we'll be discussing what we believe to be a topic that is is either killing the church or something in the church that needs to be killed. Uh, one way or another, uh, correcting understandings that have been misconstrued via Western ideology and Western uh, Western thinking, having divorced the passages of Scripture themselves from their original Semitic context. From the culture that they were birthed in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and tonight's actually uh, was brought to us kind of on the fly this is this is going to be an interesting one we're kind of doing this by the seat of our pants yeah well um we you you were scouring through some youtube it looked like yeah it was uh well so part of a part of a discord group actually where uh, it's just a bunch of atheists and christians and a couple of people from other beliefs all together for the sake of debating it's it's intended to be friendly debate and and they typically will be more polite than not uh, and there's okay. a there's a there's a sub sub thread for self promotion actually so I posted a link to one of our videos on there um, nice <laughs> but uh, underneath it uh, somebody posted another video um, or a link to what was going to be a live session of their own video mm. um, and uh, I decided to check it out and watch it and they as it turned out I came in on the portion of the discussion where they were discussing. Uh, the sacrifices in Leviticus and whatnot, and so I posed the question, which sacrifice in Leviticus atones for sin? Because that was the subject they were talking about, is the, right. the atonement of sin. Um, and the answer that I got was, well, all of them, really. There, there are several of them, and, and I was that's where I was just like... This might be a topic ooh, we need to touch on. Yeah. Is it, not enough people in the church actually know uh, anything at all about the sacrificial system. I... I would venture to say that almost uh, ninety percent of the church. Uh, and this is a very broad, you know, number I'm saying here. So um, I'm not like trying to overgeneralize, but at the same time, uh, just from our past experiences, uh, probably ninety percent have never read through the sacrificial systems, and so they don't really know much about what they are for uh, and what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, they couldn't name most of them. Now, I'll be honest, I can't name every single one of them off the top of my head, but no. um, but uh, nonetheless, um, the listening to the video uh, just sort of brought to our attention that this is something we do need to go ahead and talk about. Yeah. Um, and so, so here we are. Uh, and as per the tradition, uh, we begin every episode with a glass of whiskey. And I have brought here my, uh, what did I put this as, number two? It's my yeah. number two whiskey. We've we've heard a lot about it. We've discussed this a couple of times. This is uh yeah, the Redbreast 12 year. Um definitely, definitely one of my favorites. Definitely a top shelf. Absolutely. Uh, very few places carry this. It's hard to find. Really? Yes, but I can't get enough of it to be real. 
This whiskey, I, I think you've had this before. Once. Twice. Twice. It's very pretty. Yes. Very I, I do recall it being um I, I would I would almost go to go so far as to say fluttery. Fluttery. Uh, that, you know, that's a, a new word. It's uh. a good it's a good verb for it because it kind of you know the 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 prettiness of it reminds you of like spring and birds just kind of like you know. Sure. That's that's kind of what I got. <laughs> uh, me, it's. I got that visual. Don't judge. For me, it is that sherry cask, that signature sherry oh. taste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I forgot exactly how yeah. pretty that is. That's. That flowery smell. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, toasted oak um, and uh, a mix of dried fruit and spice. So it's very similar to the Macallan 12. Yeah. Um, but I, I would actually say this is prettier than the Macallan 12. It, it, well, it is. It's a, it's an Irish. This is triple distilled uh, and then aged. The Scotch is usually single malt. So it's a fairy whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I will never do that again. No, that's okay. <laughs> Mm. Mm. It's so pretty. But that's one I can let just sit for a minute. It's so bright. It's like it's like sipping summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's refreshing. You know, you, you, yeah, you can't even say like, you know, a drop of golden sun. It's just like straight up sipping gold. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know if this is artificially colored. A lot of whiskeys are. But because of how light it is, I would actually venture to say that it's not. Yeah. But I, I can't I can't tell you for sure whether it is or isn't. But a lot of scotches and, and whiskeys are, um, in order for consistency, they artificially color some of it. Um, but yeah, I this is a single pot still Irish whiskey. Um, this is actually so. This is from County Cork. Is it really? That's where this comes from. Man, that is a treat, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I guess um, we'll say yeah. Whiskey we, review aside. Whiskey review aside. <laughs> what? Uh, Let's just jump into it. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm just gonna ask what you know. I guess I can't really say. Growing up, you know, in in the faith, what did you learn? Because <laughs> you kind of halfway grew up with me in the in the faith. Um, oh yeah. So, but, uh, but halfway. What, what was your initial understanding of the sacrificial system as presented to you by Christianity? Uh, it actually kills me to say it because I just, I don't even like saying the phrase, but here it is uh, that, um, you know, of course, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. We're not here to argue that. Yeah, that's that is, not, that is truth. That's not a dispute. Um, but that his sacrifice replaces the entire sacrificial system. That. And again, saying it now, knowing what I know, I don't even like repeating it's it because I'm cringy. like that. The memory of that thought process needs to be blotted out because that's not that's not the truth at all. Um, so, growing up in in church, I, of course, I grew up in a in a pretty um, fundamentalist Baptist background. Uh, it's funny the sacrificial system was almost completely unaddressed in most Sunday school lessons and yeah. sermons and stuff like that. I the never only time they'll ever the only time they really ever address it is if you're if if we're talking about Jesus being in the temple for any particular reason or you know or it was Easter Sunday and and they were really driving the point home that this sacrifice is what replaced all of that and you know that yeah. they they, were, they they would use that as a as a, a means of really hitting that nail. Um, yours, yours was a different experience from mine. I, I, we never 
talked about it. It was it was basically what I said. That was as far as it, we went. The book of Leviticus remained almost completely untouched, and so they would literally just present the sacrificial system of this is what they did to be forgiven for sins back then. Well, actually, so the way it was presented is, is not even that it was forgiveness. It's just like it would roll it back. So like you were not guilty for a year until the next year when you had to go and make the sacrifice again, and so then you wouldn't be guilty again. for it. You'd be covered for a year. It was like insurance almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the while just like accumulating these sins as the years go by 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 rolling them back and you know so uh, that obviously was was intended to build this idea of this mountain of of a lifetime of sins that have been rolled back years years and years that 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 you know now jesus just wiped that slate clean from all of those and and so there was you know the first time i read through leviticus not in church is kind of where I realized, oh my gosh. Yeah. There a are lot. a ton of different sacrifices for a ton of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, so early growing up in the in the faith, um, I actually just got done doing an interview with Will Hess uh, this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, we, we briefly went over my background and, and what made me a little, um, what, what was part of my background is actually that I, I read the Bible the first time cover to cover. And so I was familiar enough with the sacrificial system but at the time i was satisfied with the answer that you know jesus was all of these and so it's it's done with but i I at least had a familiarity and so when i began to go back and question everything i i knew where to start and it was one it's, it's those things were like you knew it but until somebody pointed it out you didn't realize that you knew this kind of thing yeah. uh, it's it's like uh when i tell people well you know jesus was jewish and some people just go you know i knew that but i never i never really considered that. it's like it's like a mind-blowing moment when you ask yeah. somebody well what religion was jesus and they're like well he was Jew. Oh. yeah and it's like i knew that but i didn't really consider what that means yeah you know, and and so that happened of course when you go through uh leviticus with a I guess a third, fourth time by the time you get to it again. Yeah, um, it is a bit of a monotonous book. Going through it the first time is just yeah uh, super num- boring. Num- I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> Numbers is more exciting than Leviticus. <laughs> yeah, that's saying something. And that is saying something. <laughs> let's go over some of the sacrifices. Let, let's let's start off with some basic. What are they? You know, let's name a few of them. Let's briefly go over and mm-hmm. um, you know what were they for. And get some of those misconceptions out of the way right away. So, um, lead the way there. I was going to say, <laughs> probably start with the most commonly understood one by Christians, the sin offering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's because that because that's what the sacrifices are for, right? All sacrifices in Leviticus are sin offerings. This, this is what we were told. Yeah. Uh, or at least several of them were sin offerings. Um, and, and so the sin offering is found in Leviticus chapter 4. And if you read, yes, there are several of them. Uh, they're they're typically separated by uh, standing in society, what position you hold, yeah. uh, be it a priest, a commoner, or or, or a, a judge, or what you could as afford, it were, or what you could afford. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, the purpose to them was the same. This is why they're all called the sin offering. Yeah. It's not multiple offerings for sin. It's it's one offering. Who you are and where you stand in society determines which one you give. Yep. Um, but if you read so. The important part about that is that if you read through it, uh, all of Leviticus 4, it specifies that it's for unintentional sin. Right. Okay. This is not this is not for something that like, you know, this is wrong and I know that it's wrong and I'm going to do it anyway. 
you know yeah that's that's not what this is for this is for you know uh, I, I think an example given in some piece of literature even in the New Testament is you know two men cutting wood together with an axe and say the axe head flies off and kills one of them yeah okay well that's manslaughter but he didn't mean to kill the guy sin offering that's you know yeah uh, or like carelessness uh, leading yeah. to sin um, you know like if it was unintentional but you just weren't you didn't have like the wherewithal you weren't being extra careful or even ignorance yeah or even this ignorance is, this That's is one. an example um, of, well te- i think technically the guilt offering is for ignorance Okay, yeah, tracking. Yeah, and so that's one of the other types of offerings is the guilt offering where, um, and uh, and you know this, we've, we've been over this, um, but it's my turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the guilt offering um, is for when you found, when you find out that something you did was a sin. Yes. And so it, it's, it, you didn't know it at the time, so you're not guilty of, yeah. of like even an intentional sin, but now that you know that it is a sin, um, you give a guilt offering it's not because you are guilty but it's because you now are aware of an unintentional set of guilt the holiness in the bible doesn't work the way we think it does Uh, whether or not you knew you were sinning um, doesn't matter in the presence of the almighty of the holy god unintentional or not it still makes you it 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 makes you more distant from god Mm -hmm. whether or not you know it and so and that's that's what these are kind of to make up for uh, it, a little bit. We'll get into more of that in a little yeah, bit. It's, it's kind of like when you have dirt on your face, you don't see that, but everybody else dirty. still does, and yeah. you're still dirty whether or not you. And know once you it. find out, the first thing you do is wash your face exactly. off, right? So, um, and then we have um, the peace offering, mm-hmm. uh, which is, or sometimes it's called a fellowship offering. Yes. And I that that one's one of my favorites because the reason you would give that one is because yeah. It's, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just a, hey, I feel like doing this. Yeah. I'm going to go do it. What's the reason for this offering? Um, love God. Because. Yeah. <laughs> really love God. Want to do something awesome for yeah, him. Just uh, just wanted to eat in his presence. Yep. And the idea was to have fellowship with God and that's, go to his table and eat with God. That's why That's why dining, dining with people in, in a Semitic culture especially is such an intimate thing. When yeah. you have dinner with someone, that's... Man, they're they're close to you, or like you want to be close to them. You're you're trying to create a bond of fellowship that you don't have with just anybody. Right? That they're sitting at your dinner table, you know, or you're sitting at theirs. Um, and so that's that's what your peace offering is. That you're sitting at the dinner table with yeah, God. God. Uh, you're having dinner with the Almighty. He eats part of it. You eat part of it. Um, and all covenants in Judaism are sealed at the dinner table. Yes. Uh, and so... <laughs> <laughs> every every occasion in Judaism is an occasion for eating. Yes, uh, but that's because that's how you would solidify a covenant. You know, today we have a handshake. Mm-hmm. Well, back then it was, all right, we've come to an agreement. Here's a little bit of wine. Come to my house. We'll have a feast. We'll celebrate our covenant. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what that was for. It was like the the stamp of, uh, of sealing the deal. Yep. Um, and so likewise with a, with a peace offering. Like the Passover lamb is a peace offering. Yes. Um, and so this is you eating at the same table with God, you know, fellowshipping with God. The Passover is a covenant with God, um, specifically a marriage covenant. Uh, I think actually this is just in briefly discussing the importance of fellowship and, and the dinner table actually would be a cool, cool excuse <laughs> to explain uh, why they break bread in, in, 
instead of cutting it the way that we would in modern culture. Yeah. That's kind of your thing. Uh, well, yeah, because I always get on people about it. <laughs> um, and it, it's a little detail that people tend to overlook, you know, to break bread. Um, but that's something that the, the Hebrew people took seriously, because if you cut bread, that means you brought a weapon to the table. A knife is and, a weapon. And that's disrespectful. Yeah. Uh, and so you, in, for peace, you would have to break bread because there are no weapons at the table. Because mm -hmm. you're dining with people you trust. Right. You're dining with people who are close to you. So just an interesting little yeah, bit of uh, context for the whole breaking bread. A cool little bit of history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that that would be what the peace offering is for, is is literally just fellowship with God or korban, that yeah, which draws yeah. near. Korban, you know? yep. That's, uh, we, we, we see Jesus use that term uh, with some of the Pharisees. When he, you know, he references that uh, they, their ruling was that they can withhold something from their parents who may be financially destitute. Right. Um, yeah. For the korban. For, for the, yeah. because, because it's korban, I don't have to give it to you. And, right. And it's like, well, you know, now you're violating the command to honor your father and mother. Yeah. And uh, that was the point kind of Jesus was, was driving home there is, you know, well, you're actually violating one in favor of, of another. And a lot of people don't understand that because they don't understand the sacrificial system. Yes. So when they read that, they sort of, and I was guilty of it at one time where I, I don't understand it. And I go, well, maybe one day I'll get it. And I just move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. even like uh, th that, you know, that aside, I think we can move on to the main point that we're going to drive at with this conversation. And that is none of the offerings sacrifices any of the systems for the temple the altar none of it is for intentional sin no there is single one of them. there is no such offering for that there's no such sacrifice matter of fact uh i actually in preparation for this i, I went through a little bit of the commentary in, in my humash um and we we here also went through a little bit of rashi and ramban yeah yep um but uh, the, the uh, opening statement to Leviticus 4 uh, in the Chumash actually explains it perfectly. Now, mind you, this is Jews. These are not Christians. Mm -hmm. These are Orthodox Jews who, as far as they're concerned, you know, Yeshua was a, a false messiah, yeah. predominantly because of how he's been painted throughout history. You know, just like uh, Joseph in Genesis, his brothers didn't recognize him when he was dressed up like an Egyptian. Likewise, Jesus has been very painted uh, to look not Jewish. Yeah. And so to, to them, he looks like a foreigner. All the same, they acknowledge fully that there is no sacrifice in all of the Torah that atones for intentional sin. And the, so the opening statement for chapter four, this they haven't even gotten into the commentary. This is something that you read before you actually even read verse one. They're explaining before you even get to reading the, the chapter itself. They're, they explain the premise in the first statement is, the Torah now lists offerings that are required in order to atone for sins. In contrast with the offerings of the previous three chapters that a person brings voluntarily in order to elevate himself spiritually, these offerings cannot atone for sins that were committed intentionally. No offering is sufficient to remove the stain of such sinfulness. That can only be done through repentance and a change of the attitude that made it possible for the transgression, uh, for the transgressor, to flout God's will. That's, that's so, so. So they under they they have admitted right there that only repentance, which, can bring about atonement for such willful sinfulness. And these are these are these are ancient Jewish 
scribes. Uh, these these uh, teachings rabbis. have existed since some of them since before Jesus' time. Since yeah, around the first century, they finally started to conglomerate some of the teachings and writings. Yes. Um, so, but this is a purely Jewish document here, and um, th this is only just to prove something that you and I have, have said for a long time that Jews don't believe in salvation through works. No. And, and just as a part of that is there's not even a sacrifice that you can give uh, that would even gain you atonement into into heaven for intentional sin. The only yeah. way to, to get in is, is repentance. You just read it. Um, and that sounds like a very Christian concept, but that, that's a Jewish concept. That's Paul gets his all of his teachings from his training, and he was a well-trained rabbi, um, a very well-trained rabbi. Absolutely. Um, in fact, his master was was uh, Gamliel, which is the grandson of Hillel. The, yeah. And that is a big name in Judaism. One of the <laughs> most honored and greatest sages of all of Judaism yeah. that ever existed. And that's and a lot of Christians have no idea that that's the case, that Paul is a the grandson of, or Paul was taught by the grandson of Hillel. Yeah. And that, that uh, again, a huge, huge name. If you're going to name drop, that's going to be well, the name you do. That's why he does it. Yeah. And he's explaining his credentials and he's like, look, I, I grew up at the feet of Gamliel. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> if anyone has bragging rights, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you want, if you're, if you're asking if I know what, I t what I'm talking about, I definitely know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 He was very well trained. And, but that, that particular commentary on Leviticus 4 reminds me specifically of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 26. Um, For if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and a fury of fire about to consume the adversaries. Um, and in the, in the foreground, uh, I guess the background actually, the context being spoken of here is he, he, the writer of Hebrews is going over some of the sacrificial system, mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit briefly. Uh, saying that like the the law is a shadow of things to come, mm -hmm. um, but uh, he, he's he's talking mostly about here that you know you your sins have been forgiven, but deliberate sin there has never been a sacrifice for that. The only sacrifice good enough for deliberate deliberate sin is a repentant heart, mm -hmm. um, and so that uh, a youth pastor once pointed this verse out to me and said so. That's every sacrifice, right? So even Jesus's. Maybe. Not sure if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that, and but the reason is because it's different realms, right? But the question was po uh, was proposed to me and I thought, wow, you know, I never really considered the words of the verse, but it does say there is no sacrifice for uh, intentional sin. And so it, it just had me thinking that this is actually what brought me to going back into Leviticus and looking and, and discovering some of what we're talking about. So I think actually uh, on that, this actually brings me to, to my, my thoughts on that statement would, would actually bring me to what I think we need to get into next here regarding Hebrews is uh, that's a, I don't want to say a category error, but it's, it's not recognizing a difference in jurisdiction yes okay yeah so and that that unfortunately is a lot of what uh what christians will take away from hebrews is that even the Jesus subversion said, yeah. the subversion of the sacrificial system because they don't they're they're misunderstanding a, a change in jurisdiction not a change in jurisdiction a difference in jurisdiction right. you know so god's commandments are for this world right okay this this time here 
Um, whereas what what we're talking about in Hebrews and the priesthood of Melchizedek and right. and the heavenly it's a, temple. It's a different, which uh, yeah. The heavenly temple is the one that the earthly one was built after. It, but God it told Moses, yes, God told Moses, build it like what I've shown you. Right. Okay, so we know, so first of all, we know that there's a, there's a temple in heaven. Uh, we know that that is where the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, that that's where that's applicable. So it's, it's an issue of jurisdiction. Does that subvert the sacrificial system uh, that we see in Torah? Well, no, that sacrificial system is for this world. That's for this world, yeah. It's, for it's not world. for the next world. We don't live in the next world yet. Yeah. We've not been fully redeemed. The, the you know, Messiah has not returned to reclaim all of the earth and usher in the messianic age. No, that's right. I, and like I said, I don't agree with the statement, but the statement was made and it got me thinking. Because Absolutely. It's, by it's, itself, that statement seems to make that sense. But in context, there are two different worlds we're talking about. Um, realms. Realms. Uh, realms is probably better. Dimensions, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Sefi> wrote. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so to that point then, if, if um, I'm just going to go right, right out and say it, uh, Jesus's sacrifice, the, the master's sacrifice, um, didn't replace any of the sacrificial systems Not at in, all. The, in the temple. In fact, those were still being implemented and the disciples uh, still continue to partake. Um, and encourage one another to do that. so. Um, and we do have proof of that. That's Acts chapter 21, I believe. Yeah. Where Paul uh, takes a Nazarite vow. I'll tell you what, let's go there. Yeah, actually. Because that's, that's I, I know the, the example you're thinking of, I believe actually it was an issue of dispute about what Paul was teaching and whether or not he was teaching against the temple and the sacrificial system. It is it is 21. Um, and it's it starts at verse 15. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples at Caesarea also went with us and brought. Um, and uh, we, they heard, uh, when they heard, they glorified God and said, you see how many thousands? Um, okay, but verse 21. Um, but they have been told about you that you teach all of the Jews who are amongst the Gentiles to abandon Moses by telling them not to circumcise their children or walk in our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have obligated themselves with a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what, we, what they are told about you uh, amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who, ha who have believed, we have written a letter, and that, that goes back to Acts 15. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we see in verse 26, Paul does exactly that. And it's not just pay to have their head shaved. The, the Nazarite vow has sacrifices uh, Ooh, yes. uh, attached to that. Yeah, Sever several sacrifices attached to that. There's a, that that's a hefty price to pay, really. It's extremely uh, expensive <laughs> for, for just one person. So he's being asked to pay for five uh, total. Uh, yeah, yeah, total. And 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 to uh, prove the, what? To prove that he's not teaching against the the Torah and the sacrificial, the sacrificial system, system yeah. which is which is in the Torah. And the one who's for context, James, the brother of the Messiah, was telling him to do this. So this is James, now the head of the Jerusalem Council, a believer, a Sadiq, yeah, you know, and a, a Pharisee, righteous, a Pharisee, a righteous man, uh, 
having the full knowledge of Yeshua the Messiah and um, Paul as well having the full knowledge of Yeshua Messiah both of them never came to the conclusion that his sacrifice um, had nullified the rest of the sacrifices for the temple yeah no that was never the conclusion and that this is the proof here they continued to do these things well yeah it's ex the the proof the proof is in that James is saying look we've been told that this is what you're teaching yeah that can't now, be right yeah James obviously <laughs> knew better than that yeah it, James probably was taught under the same rabbi that's, as Paul. That's kind of what you get from the New Testament. There's a familiarity between James and Paul. Like, you know, look, dude, I know you know better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I so, know you, man. So, so James is kind of coming to Paul like, look, this is what I've, this is what I've been told that you've, you're teaching. I know that's not the case, but, you know, to kind of smooth it over with the rest of the community and show them exactly how devoted you are to the ways of God. Yeah. Do that. Not, not just do this. Pay for four other men to do it too. Yeah. So now you are actively partaking and helping four other people to do these things. So it's not it's not just good enough for you to do them. It's like okay, also to prove that you encourage others to continue in this way as well. An act an act of charity, which is righteousness itself. Right. Yes. Sadik. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sadaka, meaning charity as well. Yeah. Um, as well as righteousness. Um, so. That, that does bring up a question, though, because there is something that you kind of have to reconcile because Christians uh, their whole lives, myself included, have been told um, that, you know, Jesus's sacrifice was perfect and it paid. And so if it wasn't in the way of the temple sacrificial system, um, which to that point, uh, if Jesus is a Passover lamb, well, the Passover lamb is a peace offering and the peace offering is not a sin offering. So what sin did he pay for? Uh, how how does his sacrifice work into the paying for of sins? Where yeah, where where did man's fellowship with God fail? Adam. Adam the uh, which, interestingly enough, a parallel uh, because uh, Jesus is often called the the last Adam. Paul calls him the last Adam. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, that's the point of failure. Um, and that's the chain effect. See, you know, we, the idea of us being conceived in sin, we're fallen human beings conceived in sin. We bear the stain of the sin that, that Adam uh, initially committed. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that has stained humanity since the dawn of humanity no when, you know, when, when it happened. Um, and that is, that, that's, what, that's what harms us. See, absent, absent that, would we be born with a sin nature? Well, obviously not. That is what has endowed us with a nature towards sin. Right. Therefore, when you've paid for that sin, you've paid for all. The others, by default, have gone away. And that—that that is something that is important to bring up because Adam's sin was atoned for temporarily. When he when he left Garden of Eden, God covered Adam and Eve um, after having slaughtered an animal. So we see a little bit of the sacrificial system and how it does a, an atonement, but it's a very temporary atonement and it's really worldly. Mm -hmm. But Adam, his sin was never truly paid for and no animal would ever pay for that. Uh, you have to have something of equal to pay for it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's a debt that's- And what, what, what was the debt? What did God say would happen to Adam when he committed that sin? He died. He would die. And he did die. Right. 
in a way, he was separated from God, the truest death. Mm -hmm. Okay, so his fellowship with God was broken. Right. Okay, um, but nonetheless, a perfect life, perfect the same way that Adam was perfect when he was first created. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was laid on the line, on, on the altar in heaven, as it were, and sacrificed. That has paid for his original sin. Right. But it does so in heaven. Because Not. where was Adam when he sinned? In the garden. In the garden of Eden. Not on earth. The garden of Eden, which we see Paul reference uh, as, as the th when he references the third heaven. Okay, well, now what is the third heaven? That's you, another video. That's another video entirely. <laughs> Suffice it to say, that is understood to be the Garden of Eden. The Garden right. of Eden is heaven. If you if you ask a Jew, what is heaven? It's not some ethereal plane of, in the clouds where God lives, you know, and sits on a throne. That that's that's the Garden of Eden. Heaven is the Garden of Eden. Right. Because um, that's the paradise that mankind was born into. That's where we were intended to be. That's the goal. Yes. Uh, well, it's it's the goal because it was the intention. Right. Where did God? God created the earth in its fullness and said it was good. This is the and this this was his intention. This is what he fixed his will towards. So, what's the intention? The intention is for us to get back to to, a, a to place, the place where God meant for us to be, where we can dwell in His presence. The garden. In the garden. Yeah. Um, but sin was, you know, committed in the garden, in 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 the other realm, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, therefore, the the temple sacrificial system is for this realm. Yes. The so the way I like to explain it to people, because you know, along with the temple sacrificial system, um, even even on the subject of of sins. Okay, so we've established that the sin offering in Leviticus four is for unintentional sins, okay? When you did something that you weren't supposed to do. Right. Unknowingly or in ignorance or, you know. However. You know, however that happens. Um, and one that may also come up is actually the burnt offering in Leviticus 1. Uh, the thing to note about that is that it's voluntary, okay? This is not something you owe. This is something you, of your own free will, decide to give. It's, right. It's not legally required of you. Um, and it, it does say uh, that it will atone for him. Those are the words that are used. It will atone for him. Okay, well, now what sins are we talking about? Because clearly this is, there's no redundancy in the Bible. The Bible's not a redundant book. Where it appears to be redundant, you need to look at the wording much more carefully. Yeah, usually there is some yeah. slight difference that makes a world of difference if you look into why it's different. Um, so it says it will atone for him. Well, we already have a sacrifice for unintentional sins. Okay, things you've actively done that you weren't supposed to do. So now, what is this? What is this atoning for? Is this atoning for intentional sin now? Well, no. The Torah already has punishments laid out for that. Right. For any number of other sins, there's a okay. Well, this is unfortunately this is the price you pay for that. So you can't get out of paying that price by just offering this sacrifice. Right. So this sacrifice is for something else. And in, in Judaism, uh, you know, for every do, there's a don't. For every don't, there's a do. There's They, they work. Positive, negative commitments. Positive and yeah. negative. So, you know, where there is a command to do something, you know. So I, I, earlier we discussed the, uh, the instance of eating uh, matzah during the, the week of Passover and, and yeah, unleavened yeah. bread. Okay, so, you know, you're not to eat leavened bread, okay, but if you, so let's just say for that week you decide to cut cut gluten out entirely, you just don't eat any any leavened bread, you don't eat any, you just go carnivore for the week, you eat meat. Okay, well, you've actually committed a violation by not eating matzah. 
Yeah. The command is, is not just to abstain from leavened bread, it is to eat unleavened bread. You're right. There, right. There's a do. So we already have an instance where if you've committed a don't that you didn't know you weren't supposed to, well, there's a sacrifice for that. If you've committed a don't that you knew that you weren't supposed to, there's punishments for that. Right. This is for not doing something that you should something have done. Something you should have done. And, and, and it is completely voluntary. It is absolutely voluntary. So in other words, you rebelliously decided you weren't going to do something you were supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the example we discussed earlier was, you know, dad told you to mow the lawn. You actively said, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, that's not the same as when dad says, do not go into this room or do not leave the yard or do not. When dad tells yeah. you don't do something and you do it. Yeah, that's a spirit of rebellion that, that definitely comes with a it's defiance. Most of us got got spanked for that as kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you deliberately don't do something that dad told you to do in a, in a human family, that may come with a punishment. Absolutely. Um, but when you have that change of heart and that is what the voluntary nature of the burnt offering in Leviticus 1 illustrates is that one comes about as, as a change of the heart. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. You decide on your own, man, that wasn't cool. That, was, with me. that wasn't cool. With me. I, I, I need to go and make that right. Yeah. Okay. So you bring that offering. Um, and the, I, I think the importance of that is understanding the, the change of heart. Right. That, that is, that is repentance. Teshuva. Teshuva. Yeah. Your, your repentance. Um, so that. No, that's, uh, cause, uh, glad you brought that up because a lot of, um, uh, in normative Christianity, I usually hear, um, like the accusation that the, the law is very callous and, uh, that the, you know, the, the Jews and the Pharisees are extremely legalistic and callous and, and there's no grace in the Torah at all is a common one that I hear a lot. Um, but you know, honestly, uh, and we will do more videos and we will go more into that, but the more you read the Torah through the way it was meant to be read through the correct understanding, um, there is so much, just so many spiritual aspects Absolutely. to the Torah. It's very beautiful, very, it's very full of grace. Um, and actually it's Romans chapter seven, I believe it's verse seven, where, uh, Paul says that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. Right. And that's yes. the, the problem that he has is like, you know, I want to keep God's law, but there's another law in me and that's the law of sin and death. Yeah. Um, and that's what, what that is in, he, in the Hebraic mindset, that's his Yetzer Hara, his evil inclination. Yes. Um, and so he's not talking about like a literal law of sin and death. He's talking about like his evil nature. Um, and in Judaism, you have Something, two natures. Yeah, your, your nature, which rules you the way that a law would. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think to kind of tie tie the, the whole idea of, of repentance together, um, with the idea of separate jurisdictions, the the example I typically give is is like Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Because we know that he was a terrible. The things he did to people were awful and disgusting. Right. Um, the the reason for the jurisdiction of the Torah and the sacrificial system to apply here on Earth, um, whereas the sacrifice of Jesus does not apply. It's not for this realm. For, for this realm, that applies in another realm, mm -hmm. is this. So Jeffrey Dahmer committed his crimes here in this world. Right. Okay. Now, if while in prison, uh, awaiting his death penalty, which even according to the Torah, 
he would have received. Right. Okay. Even biblically speaking, he deserves the death penalty. Correct. Um, so if he, while in prison, had a change of heart, he, he, he did teshuva, he repented um, and came to faith. I actually heard a rumor that that, that actually that did happen. happen. I've not done the research on it, so I wouldn't confirm that. But this is um, an example. Just as an example, it, just a what if. What if he did? Okay. Well, should we let him back into society? No. Or should no. we just give him a full life sentence and not execute him? No. His 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 crimes were committed in this world, so his punishment should be meted out in this world. In the next world, he will receive forgiveness because he's repented. Right. Okay. We may very well see him in heaven. However, in this world, he needed to be executed. Because of a sin he committed, and that's that's the that's your difference of of jurisdiction between yeah. the temple and sacrificial system here on this world, and that which is in heaven, where Yeshua's sacrifice right, and the, the temple system, it's it's a shadow of the things in heaven, right? <laughs> Again, Hebrews, um, but uh, and that that's a, a really good thing to, to focus on is the fact that it's a shadow. The idea is that it is there as a pointer to point us to. The Messiah doesn't mean it replaces anything. Uh, if the temple were around today, sacrifices would be offered on the altar today. Mm -hmm. The the continual burnt offering would would be lit every morning, and it would never go out on the altar. Um, you, you know, and the Passover sacrifice would be done, and um, you know, no, none of that would change. Um, and even believers would, uh, you know, some messianic uh, Jews who are circumcised and uh, properly. Um, you know, prepared uh, to go to the temple if, if there were one today, yes. they would go and in, in the name of Yeshua offer a Passover mm -hmm. lamb and and eat Passover uh, if there were a temple today. Absolutely. Um, and so there is a big misconception that if there were a temple, that 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 the reason we don't do sacrifices is because Jesus replaced it. The reason we don't is because there's no temple today. Yeah. And that's the only reason. And we do have to clarify: the sacrifices can only be done at, at the temple. The temple. It is, it is a violation to do them anywhere else. So God is very particular about how he desires to be worshipped. Right. Okay. Um, and again, this is another episode for another time. We've already tackled <laughs> Easter and another one. But, you know, we've already we've already touched on the use of some pagan customs of worshipping God. God says don't do that. Very specifically in Deuteronomy 12, twice actually, he says, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship me the way that these nations worship their gods. Right, yeah. Don't use those methods to worship me. He's very particular. So even if it's done with the best of intention, um, I use the example of Aaron's sons. I was just going to get into that. They, the, the foreign fire. Yes, they offered, <laughs> yes, strange fire they offered to God. And, and it was out of the best of man. I wanted to do what, and the Torah says to do it, but it was, it was not the right time. It, uh, it was, yeah, it was the wrong type of, it, it wasn't an ordained, uh, you know, spelled out particular way to worship him. Yes. And so they approached with the wrong method of worship. Their heart was in the right place. Yeah. Their bodies burned for it. Yeah. They were, uh, <laughs> you could almost say overzealous. Yeah. Because that, that yeah. was the whole idea is, is the idea was, man, I want so badly to worship God that I'm just going to completely ignore everything he said about worshiping him. <laughs> <laughs> well, not completely, but they, they, they sort of created their own way. Yeah. And that was their mistake was that they, they had designed their own way to worship God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they burned for that. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, and, I, and I don't I don't know that I would even say that they were condemned for it. It's just it's almost like a physics reaction. It's a cause and effect. Yeah, no, it, you know? it, I think in Jewish literature, they didn't burn because God got angry. 
they burned because they approached his presence in the wrong way. Yes. And if you are in the presence of God, it's a consuming not, presence. It's a consuming presence. And so if you're in the presence of God and you haven't gone through the proper steps to get that close to him, you're going to die. No one can see him and live. And so they were attempting to see him through another means. Yes. And so they just died as a result. It wasn't like God murdered them out of cold blood. Yeah, they, was, he didn't he didn't met out judgment on them yeah, for sinning. That wasn't the case. It's yeah, they they it was like I said, a physics reaction. It was a cause and yeah, effect. It just, it is what it is. That's the nature of God. That's how holy he is. Yes. We, we really don't understand holiness the way that the Hebrews do. It is something that can kill you if not done right. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I th I, so I think repentance then, uh, because we've already touched on that being, that being the mode of, of atonement for intentional sin. Real, yeah. actual sin like defiant yes sin, uh, defiant to sort of shake your fist at god yes sort of sin. Um, yes the, i don't care what that says <laughs> exactly yeah that is that even jews have always understood that repentance is the only way yeah that that can happen to be forgiven for for that level of sin um but i, I think that i think that even repentance and teshuva are, are misunderstood a little bit between the two cultures, you know. Uh, so if I if I say repentance to a Christian, what do you think he thinks? A Christian would probably say uh, turn to Jesus, turn to Jesus, um, yeah. or give your heart to Jesus, which cringy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the phrase, really, not not the concept. I obviously understand the intention. Yeah, um, and, and it's definitely a good intention, and it's not exactly wrong. Or even different from Judaism, if you if you understand, it's just the way it's a, understood. Yeah, a few yeah. key principles. Uh, so if I if I say repentance to a Jew, um, what does he think? Return to Torah. It because Shuva is to to turn to back. turn back, yeah. not just to change your direction. Okay, you know a lot of times we'll get. Uh, I think the, the 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 Greek word for repentance, its definition is just. To, to change your direction, to turn. Yeah, to you yeah, know, to turn. You know, it's it, but it's not as particular for Judaism. It, it is to turn back. Right. Well, turn back to what? Where did you come from that you strayed from? And in a Jew's mind, that's Torah. That, that's yeah. that's the Torah. That's the path. Because what you did was a sin, which means you turned against Torah, because that's sin. Yes. So repentance is to turn back from the sin. Mm -hmm. So that that's why it means to return to Torah because Torah um, defines what sin is. So um, you can't repent to anything else but the Torah's observance yeah. because of that concept. Without without the Torah, there is no sin. I think that's also Romans seven. Paul says, "I had yes. not known sin except for the law." In other words, Paul said, "I wouldn't know what sin was if the Torah didn't tell me." Yep. What sin was. And so the idea in a Jewish mind is that repentance is specifically to return to the word of God because the Torah is the word of God. And even in a Christian mind, even though they're, they're correct, you know, to repent is to turn to Jesus. And they're right, but they don't know why they're right. Yeah. It's because Jesus is the word of yeah, God. We, he we is say, the Torah made flesh. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the nature of God literally in, in bodily form. Right. That's, yeah. that's, well, that's the Torah. The Torah is God's very nature. Yes. This is why he so, says, you know. He's, do these things. That's the, we keep talking over each other. <laughs> We're just getting excited. <laughs> That's because he's he's the living embodiment of the Torah. So he's the perfect example by which we should turn to. 
Yeah, how did he live? What did Jesus do is the yeah. common thing. Well, how, how did he live? Um, and that's that's the model by which we should live. It's amazing how many people, they, you hear that all the time. What would Jesus do? And it's like, well, have an entire like, you know, five, five books, books at the beginning of the Bible that explain exactly what he would do. Yeah, and did do. And, um, yeah, and, and did do. If, 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 if Jesus had broken a single commandment in the Torah, who would have disqualified himself as the Messiah? Absolutely. Um, and so... And if his, if his mission were to get rid of the Torah and the sacrificial system... That would have disqualified that him would as have, Messiah. Yeah, if, if, that, if that were his stated goal, and it's funny, actually, I've, I've heard pastors preach that. I've, I've heard a, a pastor explaining how part of the pathway that he would have had to walk carrying the cross through Golgotha would have been like passing by the temple complex or through, you know, where some of the, the, he would have had to walk through the blood of certain lambs that had been sacrificed uh, for Passover. And, um, and uh, he, he said, you know, kind of playing the part of Jesus that, you know, I imagine he was probably thinking as he's going, going through there and seeing all of the the slaughter of these innocent animals that by the end of this this will no longer be necessary and it's just like i cringed so hard because i was like that's totally not why he came that's yeah. not what he's here for yeah that's it. but it's again it's a common misconception from the, what his sacrifice really paid for yes and even to that point um when yeshua was raised up on the cross um it began, it was about the time of when you would begin to give the Passover offerings. And from how I understand it, um, between the times of the first time of the Passover offering and the last, um, any other sacrifices that you needed to make for the day would be done in between those two. And so a burnt offering, a sin offering, a guilt offering, all of that would come in between these in this time. And then you'd have the last, uh, the Passover offering. And so then it's all done for the day mm -hmm. and then you go and you have Passover um, and so while he hung up on the cross he, he was still in a representative form uh, you know dying while those offerings were being offered up mm -hmm. so there's still some symbolism that is there but he yeah. does not replace those Th those are for here those are earthly uh, the Torah says specifically that these sacrifices are a permanent statue yes they do not go away um, at all at, at the very end of every single sacrifice i believe it says this is a permanent statue yes you know, for all of your generations um and so not a single jot or tittle will pass from the law until all has been accomplished matthew and 5 matthew 5 17 and so uh you know not all has been accomplished the earth and heaven are yeah. are still here as they exist and so that uh, that is still relevant and you know that's also part of the promise to aaron and his sons was that they would have they would have that priesthood, mm -hmm. um, you know, permanently on this earth. You know, so there's there's a lot that's there. You can't if you subvert it, you 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 break a lot of the promises that are in there. Well, so. yeah, I also find it a little, I don't know, I find it a little off to to even tell somebody that that they would be doing wrong to uh, offer a peace offering somebody out of the love of their own heart to go and and desire to dine with god at the dinner table of god and just for you to, and for, yeah and for you to tell them well that's wrong because jesus that 
I don't know, that's a little dicey. Well, and I understand why they would say that, um, because they believe that- They you know, believe that that is for the atonement of sins. Yeah, so if you, they, they, the Christians do tend to believe that if you were to try and do the sacrificial systems, that you'd be living in sin. And so they are out of the goodness of their hearts trying to prevent you from doing that. So I understand the reasoning behind it, but it all comes from the same um, misunderstanding of the sacrificial system entirely. Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, basically, uh, I think that's around, a, uh, basically a good place to wrap up, I yeah, guess. I think is, we can uh, summarize that. Um, you know, Jesus' sacrifice was uh, completely unique in, it, in, its own, in its own way, not at all even related to uh, the sacrifices of Leviticus outside of him, you know, actively being the peace offering, which, again, allows man to fellowship with the Almighty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that uh, none of the none of this uh, sacrifices or offerings in in the Torah are for intentional sin, and um, and that uh, Yeshua's uh, sacrifice paid for Adam's sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that Paul talks about that specifically. Hebrews talks about the different realms because of that. And um, and yeah, if the temple were up today, then the offerings would still be offered. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. Uh, a lot of them, a majority of them would be because. You know, yeah, uh, there'd be a lot of peace offerings. A lot of yeah. burnt offerings and sin offerings first, likely, but yeah, a lot of peace offerings of, after yeah, that. A lot of people are going to come forward with just like, you know, uh, I'm really glad that there's a temple. So here, because. Oh, and uh, some of the offerings were so that the priests could eat. <laughs> yeah, that's another that's one. Like- <laughs> some, so, some of them were strictly so that, you know, the priests had cooked and prepared food yeah. to eat. Because they didn't have land or grain or anything. So yeah. they, they didn't have a stake in the land of Israel. So. They were left without an inheritance. So, yeah. So <laughs> their food came from uh, many of the offerings that were offered on the altar. Like that was yeah. their source of is food. Al- almost, like a, almost like a tax. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's another thing to keep in mind. Sometimes these offerings are just to, to feed the, the priests that are serving for you on your behalf. Yeah. You know? um, but again, the, the temple is a shadow of things to come. The high priest is a shadow our high priest in heaven is Yeshua who intercedes on our behalf for the heavenly realm. Which when we live there, as Ezekiel even states, we'll still be offering sacrifices. (laughs) Ezekiel 40 through 44. And we'll also be um, uh, celebrating the biblical holidays, uh, like Sukkot. (laughs) Yes, man, imagine that. Yeah. That'll be a good time. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's something I think we should kill in the church is the stigmatism of the, the sacrificial system. I don't even like saying the word sacrifice because they're not sacrifices. They're offerings. Yes. They're gifts. Yes. Um, and you're just trying to, on this earthly realm, draw closer to God. And there's a proper way to do that. Yes. Um, he has laid out and prescribed a way to do that. Yeah. We don't get to decide that. And it, whether we understand it or not, it's not up to us. You know, God is holy. And uh, he is a, a consuming holy fire. And so if there is a certain way in which we have to approach him because of how holy he is, that's not for us to question really. You know, um, mm-hmm. he, he laid it out that way so that we could uh, draw closer to him. And for all we know, that's the only way to get there. Because yeah. the, the temple, the, the Mishkan, you know, is so that God can dwell on earth with us. And that's as close as he can get on this earth without it being eaten. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, it's 
he get, he gets to make that and prescribe it because he's a holy consuming fire. There's nothing we can do to change that. We don't fully understand it, and so I think that's actually probably something for another for another video too. We should probably do another whole one on the temple itself. The but <laughs> suffice it to say, you know, I'll, I'll, that's another thing. A lot of people think that the the temple itself is obsolete because of Jesus. You know, because now we can experience that presence of God uh, whenever. And every Sunday when we're in the middle of a worship service and it's just like, okay, well, first of all, you have no idea what it was like to be in the presence of God in the temple in the first place. So you could never compare what the, you know, the induced emotional high that you're in when you're you know, swaying, yeah, swaying in the church worship service, you know, you, you couldn't compare that to whatever was experienced by people offering a sacrifice at the temple, right? You know, you, there, there, there is no comparison because first of all, you don't know what that's like. Uh, they did, and clearly they have seen a difference between when there was a temple and now when there's not. Yeah. And you could say, well, that's because they don't have Jesus, but that's another, that is another video that's, for another time too. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap this conversation up. It's Absolutely. already, I don't know how long this video is now, but um, yeah, uh... try to keep it under an hour. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll take care of that in editing. Yeah, yeah we'll fix that in post. But, but um, yeah, so I think we've summarized like six times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No need to summarize again. I, all I'm gonna say is, you know, I'm glad the subject came up. It made for a, yeah. a great conversation. Um, Needs to be had. It definitely needed to be had. And uh, well, that's why we're doing this. Yeah, to get rid of that stigmatism and, you know. I, I, information and clarity breeds unity, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we're able to clarify some issues like this, it better help unify everyone. So that everyone understand, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. And then it, there's no more of this back and forth of people, the blind leading the blind, so to speak. Yes. Um, you know, once you make that clarification. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, um, I think that's it. I think, yeah. uh, I think we'll just, call it from there yeah we'll call it and as usual uh offer a toast <laughs> uh yeah to uh yeah this is the new studio once again but now we've got yep. all of the camera gear yeah this we've time. got we finally have everything we've needed for this yeah there's still some decorating to do here and there you got to get your crystals set up here yes. um get you a few more books you know yep. we'll spend another couple thousand dollars on a, on a talmud for you <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> no big deal definitely need one of those <laughs> um but uh so uh to everyone listening thanks for you know sticking around for our conversation absolutely and um you know, we hope we've been uplifting and, and informative. Uh, yeah, I, again, uh, send us comments, questions. Yeah. You know, we uh, we need this. So. Um, Our I, comments I, will, will turn into videos. Yeah, um, uh, it, like, like we saw today. Yeah. A yeah. comment immediately became a video that's now, we don't even know how long. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but, so uh, keep that coming and uh, uh, look at <laughs>